Welcome to the In Touch Podcast with Charles Stanley for Monday, June 7th. The book of Revelation is often considered mysterious and challenging to understand. But join us in a study of this book to see how God completes the story of His redeeming love. How many of you read the book of the Revelation for your devotional reading? <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Why not? I can tell you why. Because you think, well, I don't understand that. And so you neglect that book. I want you to turn, if you will, to the first chapter of the Revelation, and I want us to read these first three verses together. So he begins by writing the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must shortly take place, and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. This is not 66 different books. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ put in the printed page so that you not read it. It's all connected. There's nothing disjointed about this at all. And I want to show you something here that might be interesting. And that is, I want us to see that what begins in Genesis is fulfilled in the Revelation. And just to give you a few comparisons. For example, in Genesis, there is a beautiful, sinless paradise. In the Revelation, a still more wonderful paradise. In Genesis is the account of the tree of life and how man was driven from it because of his sin. In the Revelation, man is invited to eat of the tree of life. In the Genesis, the Bible speaks of the first heaven and the first earth. And then in the Revelation, it speaks of the new heaven and the new earth. In Genesis, the devil's first appearance. In the Revelation, Satan appears for the last time and meets his final and awful doom in the lake of fire where he shall burn forever and ever. Everything that begins in Genesis ends in its fulfillment in the book of the Revelation. There's nothing disconnected and disjointed about this book. It is all one revelation of God. And as we said in the beginning, the Bible is the story of God's redeeming love. It was planned in Genesis and consummated in the book of the Revelation. Now, what do we mean when we talk about the Revelation? Does that mean it's the revelation about Jesus or is the revelation that Jesus Christ gives? Well, the truth is both of them are true. This book is all about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This book is all about Jesus Christ, who is Master, Lord, and indeed God of this universe. Now, if you'll think about it for a moment, the first time Jesus Christ came, He came veiled in human flesh. Here is deity veiled in human flesh. Here is the Godhead veiled in humanity. The first time we see Him, we see Him growing up in a carpenter shop. We see him as a little lad in the temple. We see him in his itinerant ministry. But the last time we see him on the face of this earth, here he is beaten and bruised and buffeted, nailed to a cross, crucified, buried, then risen, and then the last time that he's seen by a few, he's seen ascending into heaven. So we see him in that form. But the revelation speaks of Jesus Christ not as the Savior. When it comes to the final, to the end of the Bible, and this climactic point, you don't see Jesus Christ as Savior. You see him as the King of kings, as the Lord of lords, as the judge of this earth. So in all of this first chapter, John is describing this precious Savior of ours in all these different kind of ways. Now, 
When we come to uh, look at the method by which the Revelation uh, was written, let me just say a word about that. In those days, the Greek mystics also had revelations, and here's what they would do. They would eat some kind of, a particular kind of leaves that would put them uh, in some kind of trance. And what they would do is they'd have scribes to write down what they saw and what they heard. So a revelation was not just something that only John received. Also, there were those uh, mystics who, uh, with certain uh, beats of the drum and certain kinds of music and self-hypnosis, they would have revelations that they would get some scribe to write down. So the idea of a revelation was not a new thing. But here's the difference. The difference is where this one came from. And if you'll notice in the scripture that says, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, that is to Christ, to show to his bondservants the things which must shortly take place, and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his servant John. So how did it come? It came from God the Father to Jesus, who gave it to an angel, who gave it to John, who sent it to the churches. And so if you'll recall that many times in the Old Testament, New Testament, God spoke through angels. And if you recall in Matthew chapter 1, it was the angel Gabriel that spoke to Joseph and talked to him about the coming birth of Jesus. Gabriel also spoke to Mary in Luke 1 about the birth of Jesus and also to Zacharias in Luke 1 about the birth of John the Baptist. So speaking through angels was nothing unusual. And what I want us to see here is that this was given by God uh, to his son Jesus to an angel, to John, to the church. And it was given with signs and symbols. Now, why? Well, one of the reasons is this. When you get a little further over into the book of the Revelation and all these tremendous battles are taking place, remember this, that John is writing with a language that he has in the Greek language to describe things that he's never seen before, that he has no earthly idea exactly what they are, and so remember that this revelation was not only given, listen to this now, it was given to the people of the first century, it was given to them, but it was also given for everybody who comes after that, for the entire church age, the revelation was given. Go back to Matthew 24. This is a, uh, one of the most important chapters in the whole Bible for prophecy. And the disciples have asked the Lord Jesus Christ uh, uh, what's going to happen and when it's going to happen and so forth. And he says, these will be the signs. What are these signs? He says, for example, in verse 6, and you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars and uh, that you are not frightened for, see that you're not frightened for those things must take place, but that's not the end. He says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And in various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. All these are the beginnings of the birth pangs. Now, you think about how men fought wars in the days in which this was written. They fought them with short swords and long swords. And they fought them with javelins and spears. And they fought them uh, oftentimes uh, defending themselves with small round shields and large door-sized shields uh, to uh, build a whole wall for protection. They had daggers. They didn't have guns. When we move on up through history and watch how warfare developed, in all types, look where we are today. From swords and spears and javelins to an F-16 putting a rocket right down somebody's stovepipe. How in the world would John, the beloved, describe a jet or a tank or a flamethrower? When you come to the book of the Revelation, you see some of the things he says and the symbols. What he's doing is describing this vision that God has given him. 
So one of the reasons is they're symbols because there were no words to describe exactly what he saw. Secondly, remember now that John is writing to the seven churches of Asia Minor, and of course, Revelation was passed around to many other churches, I'm sure. Remember this now that he's banished. The Roman government is against him and against the church and persecuting the church, so he certainly couldn't come out and say, the Lord Jesus Christ is just going to wipe old, old Domitian off the map. So what does he do? He uses symbolism that it would have been very difficult, in fact, almost impossible for the Romans to decipher exactly what he meant. And so God gave it to him in signs and symbols for those two reasons primarily. Now, the structure of this book is amazing. Look at this. There are seven series of sevens. Chapters 2 through 3, seven churches. 4 through 8, seven seals. 8 through 11, seven trumpets. 12 through 14, seven persons. 15 through 16, seven bowls. 17 through 20, seven dooms. And 21 through 22, seven new things make 49. And so when somebody says, I don't believe that Bible, all that stuff, just a bunch of books. It's a bunch of books if you don't have the Holy Spirit. If it's a bunch of books if you haven't studied it. And it's amazing the folks who don't believe this book are not people who've studied it. It's amazing that people who study the Word of God to find out whether it's true or not end up believing that it's true. Why? It is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing slipshod, haphazard about it. It is a very well-structured book. Now, when John said, if you'll notice here, when he said, these things which must shortly take place, Oftentimes people say, well, the reason I don't believe that is because, after all, uh, these things haven't take, taken place, and this happened uh, so many, many uh, years ago, that uh, surely we have a reason not to believe it. But what I want you to notice here is this. When John said things which must shortly take place, this doesn't mean that it's going to come quickly. That is, right after this. But it means this, that when it begins, it's going to take place with rapidity. That is, when it, ha when it happens, it's going to happen fast. Now... The manner in which we to treat the revelation. I asked you in the very beginning, I said, how many of you read this for your devotional reading? Nobody in here said yes. Now, let's think about this for a moment. How do people usually view the revelation? Well, most folks seem to have the idea that um, you're not even supposed to understand it. Well, if you just flip through it a couple of times, you're absolutely correct. Because you see, this book was not given to be read hurriedly, briefly. And this book is not to be abbreviated. It is not to be read hurriedly. It is not to be read haphazardly. It is not to be read casually. It is to be read seriously and sincerely because it is a book given to us for application in our life. So some people say, well, you know, you can't understand it anyway, so why should I read it? Well, listen, you know, there's some things in the book of Romans that I read a number of times before I ever understood them all. And if you ask me, do you understand every single thing that the Apostle Paul said clearly? The answer is no. I wish I could understand it absolutely clearly, every single thing. So there's some things difficult to understand. So what I ask is this. Do you just lay it aside because you don't understand it? Or do you ask God to give you wisdom and direction? Here's what I want you to notice about this book. This is the only book in the Bible about which it is said, blessed is he who reads it. Now, the two books that Satan hates the most are what? Genesis and Revelation. Why? Because Genesis exposes him as the one who usurped God's power in this universe and set himself up as the God of this age. The reason he hates that, because it exposes him. The reason he hates the book of the Revelation, because it tells us what's going to happen to him. And so he doesn't like either one of them. So of all the books in the Bible he doesn't want us to look at is certainly the last one because it says what? 
It says the church is going to win. We are going to win. Jesus is Lord. He is going to rule and reign. This earth is going to be made like it was in the Garden of Eden. Jesus Christ is the Lord. And He is...
yêu rồi oh, oh, oh. anh đã yêu rồi anh đã yêu rồi anh đã yêu em mất rồi Anh ngày mơ mộng mình thức xa xôi Không làm người tình ai muốn nơi Sống cho là tròn kiếp đây thôi Đâu quan tâm gì chuyện đời Thì mà lại nằm tương tư Ông tầm bà mỗi xe tơ Đêm nằm trộm nhớ mơ mơ về ai Come off desperate. What if I lay down and I play dead and I stay dead? Maybe you. 
straight dead will you regret everything that you did that you said i don't think you understand what you're doing and my heart's black and blue from the bruising i feel like when i'm with you i'm losing i feel like you think that this amusing sitting there gaslighting and confusing was it me is it me am i deluded I'm the one who's always sorry the conclusion Even though I offer all of the solutions I wish you loved me like I love you, it's stupid When I'm alone with you I never feel lucid I wish I wasn't struck by Cupid I wish when I first saw you I knew this When I'm with you I feel so useless I feel diluted, my heart's been wounded Silhouettes of you are like a dawn Never really know just what you want with you, I don't ever feel calm I could feel the sweat inside my palm Play with me like cats and a string